raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, my friends, you have a very expensive kicker. And Matt, Matt Gay, that happened, what, about midnight last night? Something like that, I believe, that news actually came across. And that was something, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't thinking about that, but I guess you should, and here's why. So I was talking to Tony Katz a little bit earlier today about it, and he ran down all these things that went haywire last year with the exception of kicking. And I think that's your lasting memory. I think your lasting memory is that was such a FUBAR season all the way around that the only thing you really could embrace is the kicking, I guess. But I'll be honest with you, four years and $22.5 million, that does strike me a bit, and it did not occur to me to talk too much about it in terms of Chris Ballard a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't sure they were going to be bringing back Chase McLaughlin and he was going to be the guy, but I certainly didn't think four years and $22.5 million would be something we would be talking about today. It is the biggest contract for a kicker in NFL free agent history. What's interesting about it is you do need a kicker, and he does have better percentages, and he is better from, what, 50 yards away. That is just not the first thing I thought that they would go after. And it is, it is very Ballard. You know, although it has nothing to do with up front on either side of the football. But $22.5 million for Matt Gay, it was a little bit surprising. Again, not that they decided to go someplace else. I don't know how much concern that you had because there were so many other concerns. You're going to tell me, well, why do you need a kicker? He was just fine. He was just fine. He stuck out because he most of the time did his job. In a season where most of the time, not a lot of folks that you count on did their job. So I do understand why you wanted to do it. I do understand why you felt compelled to do it. But for those of us out there that are just kind of wondering where this is going directionally, 
in free agency, you, you do kind of chuckle a little bit because outside of bringing back one of your own in, in Taekwon Lewis or you know losing a guy like Bobby Okereke, for example, which we knew was going to happen, or Brandon Faison, which you probably knew was going to happen, it does make you chuckle a little bit. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's absolutely unnecessary. I do understand it, but it doesn't make it in a season that was as bad as a year ago at 4-12-1 and and one tie and going into year number seven for a general manager that talked about how his results weren't there. Listen, you want to make sure you're as good as you can be everywhere. There are just always going to be other positions on this team where we go, for the love of all that is holy, let's get that going here. Let's get it going. And I'm sure that they have designs on doing that very thing. I'm not going to sit here and gripe about it. I'm not going to sit here and gripe about it at all. It was just the least of your worries last year. I mean, everything was such a punchline. Bring in a kicker, and hopefully the kicker is good and consistent. Do one of the few things. But that is how free agency officially got started at the crack of midnight last night or somewhere in that general vicinity. Hey, man, whenever you can do it, you can do it. So I will not, I I do, I gripe about a lot of things. I probably gripe about too much. I probably complain about too much. I do get that. I'm going to, I'm going to just say, all right, you feel it necessary to get a kicker who has more range? Okay. Better accuracy? Okay. It's just, it's difficult to see, you know, the biggest contract in the history of a kicker, Colts. And I know where you go with this too, because where you're going is right. When the Colts first got here for a number of years, the only thing that was ever, for example, all pro, and certainly when all pro was more meaningful back then, or check that, I'm sorry, that's the Pro Bowl that was more meaningful. All pro has always been been pretty meaningful. But the only thing that was ever all pro back then was your punter. That was Ron Stark. Ron Stark never walked by a mirror where he did not stop and gaze longingly into his own eyes. I mean, really ever. But that was the only thing there was really ever to talk about then. Hold on, there's a mirror. Let me stop. Oh, man, I look really good today. It's kind of like me when I do these commercials, right? I look in the camera on YouTube Live and I say, hey, you know what? You can have hair like mine, but you're never going to have these incredibly chiseled, handsome features. But this is just like make-believe for me. That was real life for him. So Matt Gay. Matt Gay is in, and let's just face it. At $22.5 million for four years, he has been a better kicker than Chase McLaughlin. So as much as I know that you're chomping at the bit to make fun of it, they did, on paper, get better. Now, they're also giving away a lot of paper at the same time, but, you know, we kind of use that whenever we want. We say, oh, man, you know what? You got to spend more money. Spend it. Ballard utilizes this like his own checkbook. Why? And then when they do spend it and you're not absolutely down with what they spend it on, you go, oh, great. Look how much money they just spent. And that is where we are right there. It was a little bit surprising. 
But that is in mind what the Colts are doing. That is how they view this right now. And we shall see how they view the rest of free agency. But I think it's gone pretty typical Ballard so far. Has it not? You knew Okereke was going to be gone. You predicted probably that Brandon Faison after one year wasn't going to be here again for two. So this might be that first surprise, that oh wow moment. It's just whenever you see massive deal next to a kicker after a four-win, one-tie season. McLaughlin career-wise, 78-8, so 79%, right? On field goals, Matt Gay, 87-8, If you want to bump that up. Matt Gay had his best season in the NFL back in 2021. 94-1 was his percentage. And there also is an efficiency gauge if you want to go to 50-plus. And let's face it, too. When you look at that, that has become increasingly more important. With everybody right now, it's like anything from 40 to 48 is a big yawner anymore, right? Almost? Is that fair to say? I know I'm making it too easy. Well, you've never kicked before. Well, no blank. But it just kind of seems like that it is expected that you bang home basically everything 40 to 48 yards away, at least 40 to 45. I think that's fair enough. And that became that become like the old school extra point used to be. But it has been increasingly more important that you be able to have distance. And I know you can look at that two different ways. Well, you know what? If you have to trot somebody out there from 50-plus, that, that means your offense is not getting the job done. And who knows? Maybe that's what, if you look into that crystal ball, maybe, maybe you surmise that, hey, with this offense led by a rookie quarterback, how many stallings might we have 50-plus? And we don't trust this guy to do it, but we will trust this guy who has done it in the past to come and do it. I, I know I'm just kind of chasing stuff right now, but honestly, you can make that argument because that is twofold. For a good offense, that's a bummer. For a crappy offense that's trying to survive, it's still getting points. It may sound like the biggest loser, lamest argument ever, but it is really true. And when you think about it, it would have been incredibly true probably often a year ago. So somebody that has a little bit more length in terms of an offense that, again, assuming, and it better be a pretty solid assumption, will be led by a rookie quarterback that may not have that particular length in terms of driving the field. Thus, you find it more cost-efficient to pay for it and make sure you got that as opposed to, well, you know what? This is a tweener for us right here. Too far to go for it on fourth down. You don't want to leave points in the board, and you don't want to punt it 
which is a complete fail when you're just across midfield for you get some guy inside Lucas Oil Stadium you think can drill it if you need him and at the very least in a drive get points. Yeah, I know. That would sound really good. That's a really good argument back in the 80s. Really good argument back in the early 90s. Make sure you get points. But it does stand to reason today. And as far as coming up for arguments for Matt Gay and that four-year, $22.5 million contract, that is where we are with it. And we can certainly talk about that at 239-1070 if you so desire. I'm assuming that many of you would like to. So I stated my case for that. We'll get your thoughts coming up in just a bit. Got a busy show for you. I will lay that out in a second. Big deal today. So yeah, the Raiders go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the Raiders yesterday put up um, th- this picture with all their offensive weapons, touting their offensive weapons from Garoppolo to Jacobs to Renfro to Adams, and Waller was also mentioned in that. And then less than a day later, Waller is traded. So there you go. Traded out of Las Vegas. So that was a big deal within the last hour or so is Darren Waller, who is an incredibly talented dude. We'll see if it's any better for him where certainly he ends up. You know, talking about running backs, too, I know a lot of you have been talking to me yesterday regarding Jonathan Taylor. And we had Zach Kiefer on of The Athletic discussing when exactly we would expect Jonathan Taylor to get re-upped. And the reason why I brought it up was because of Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is three years older than Jonathan Taylor. And Austin Eckler is looking for more. No common ground with the Chargers. Thus, he was looking for a way out, meaning looking to try to develop his own trade. And we all know, for the most part, how the NFL and its teams feel about running backs being a dime a dozen, essentially. Chris Ballard still feels that Jonathan Taylor is far from that. You look what the Dolphins did earlier today. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., they're both brought back. I mean, there's there's nothing to write home about as far as feature back there. It just seems like more teams you want to have more of a balance instead of having one incredible guy. And there is another train of thought that is different with the Colts where they stand right now compared to a lot of other teams around the NFL and a lot of other offenses around the NFL. I'm not suggesting these guys aren't talented, but as far as talent and then factoring in the type of contract, the type of money that they're going to get, there is no comparison to how guys like that are coveted by their team compared to how Chris Ballard and the Colts look at Jonathan Taylor. How the Chargers have viewed moving forward with Austin Eckler, who has been very good compared to how the Colts are viewing again Jonathan Taylor. So we talked about that yesterday with Zach, probably in the neighborhood of the beginning of camp is when he's going to get long-term because they believe in him. They believe him to be a cornerstone, and that is the direction Chris Ballard has gone when he moved up years ago to draft him. And as I've talked about, this is going to continue to be the Chris Ballard path. Not a great deal is going to change. It will not. 
See, Andy writes this. Well, imagine a better kicker in the win season. Probably playoffs and wins still might be here. And that could have been an argument. There's no doubt about that, Andy. That could have been an argument back then. But I would guarantee you now with where they're going offensively, Andy, what they believe themselves to be with a rookie quarterback this year, that was a major reason as why they felt compelled to do what they did. That is just in case. Uh, Yeah, the Pacers last night, there's not a lot to talk about. It was a pretty worthless performance. They got 13 games remaining. It was a very tough watch last night, to say the least. And that's how it turned out. Pacers get whipped by the Pistons next up. That's coming up on Thursday night. They're on the road against the Bucks. That's probably not going to be great. If you tuned in last night, you saw that obviously no Halliburton, no Turner, no McConnell, no Matherin, and no Dice last night for real. It was not a fun watch whatsoever. And again, Pacers back at it coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I don't care too much about Aaron Rodgers and his wish list. (laughs) Well, man, you know he just sits back in whatever palatial cave he happens to be in, and he's just enjoying all this. He's enjoying it until he goes back on with Pat and unleashes all this. (laughs) That's funny. It will. I will say this, though. It'll be different there. They have given him a wide berth in the state of Wisconsin. That's just the way that it is. But in in and around New York City, uh, you know what's expected there. That's a tough tough one, too, with the Jets. It's not like that thing's ready-made. I know a lot of you are worn out on that. I don't know if I'm worn out on it. I don't pay too much attention to it. But it's just kind of funny now that he's got his wish list. It's like me when I used to get the Sears catalog. Sears catalog, right? The wish book. You would open that up. You'd go to toys. You'd open that up. You'd go to the great Sears NFL gear back then. I had three major sections that I checked out every time as a nine-year-old adolescent. Check out the toys. Check out the NFL gear and check out the bra section every single time. Three sections. Everything else, yeah, whatever. Yeah, don't take me to the craftsman lane. Want to see anything now about the lawnmowers or anything like that? Take me to the toys, to the just the absolutely fantastic wish they were able to bring it back. Classic NFL gear. Yeah. And for somebody growing up with four channels and no cable, and Playboy stuffed in bales of hay in his grandpa's barn bra section. True story. The wish list for Aaron Rodgers includes some that he played with in Green Bay a year ago. And Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know where they come up with this stuff, but it's classic. Absolutely classic. All right, we can hit that if you like. At 239-1070. I mentioned I have a loaded show. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We've got semifinals in boys' high school basketball. We've got a lot of college hoop to talk about. We have a kicker to talk about. I'm going to give him my theories on why the Colts felt compelled 
for four years and $22.5 million for that first major move to be about a kicker. I'm just giving you a theory. I'm not trying to justify the level of thought and where the Colts are as greatness. So don't get me wrong. I'm just giving you a theory as to why I believe they felt compelled to make that a high level of importance. And I think I'm right about that. Greg Rakestraw can talk about that. Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, the AP All-America team. Congratulations to both. Jalen Wilson is a part of it. From Kansas, Marcus Sasser, Houston, Brandon Miller, Alabama, all a part of that first team. So congratulations to Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis on that incredible honor. I mentioned we'll talk about that with Greg Rakestraw. Cannot wait. Matt Painter. Head coach of the Boilermakers joins us coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, We'll talk about preparation for a game that you don't know who your competition is yet, and you won't know until Thursday. Check that. Wednesday. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about his team, his team down the stretch, his team in the regular season winning the Big Ten title by three games, and then winning the Big Ten Conference Tournament as well. And then the way his team played down the stretch. We'll dive into that. The officiating differences between, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. Don't get me wrong. But the officiating differences that we see from league play to what you prepare for coming up in the NCAA Tournament. It is a conversation you will not want to miss. Matt Painter comes up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And friend of the show, Eastern Green, did you know that he was on the Today Show marking the first time anybody in the history of Eastern Green High School has been on the NBC Today Show? How about that? And he Listen, he's from Salisbury. It's different where I'm from. I'm from Owensburg. He's from Salisbury. It's different. It's kind of like what how you guys feel in Zionsville and Whitestown. You guys love one another up there. Like Zionsville and Whitestown, Carmel and Noblesville, or is it Carmel and Westfield that's got more of the rivalry now? But certainly Whitestown and Zionsville. It's just like that. Owensburg and Salisbury feels the same way as Whitestown and Zionsville feel about one another. But the first time somebody from Eastern Green High School has been on the Today Show, that was pretty cool, though, honestly. And good for him. Getting a lot of national love, and deservedly so. His team is a 9C. The 8-9 game is a matchup, and we'll see how interesting that is. It's a tough one. You know, when people say, well, Florida Atlantic, they were done no favors, I wouldn't expect Florida Atlantic to get favors, but certainly they have a a path that's difficult because in round two, uh, more than likely we know that they would face the Purdue Boilermakers if they were to beat Memphis. The head coach of the Owls of Florida Atlantic, former IU manager, been all over the place. If you remember last time, he started his coaching career at USC and Henry Bibby was the head coach. And he had talked about, we played, growing up at Eastern, we played all the time in the mornings. About 5 a.m., we would go and play pickup games before school. 
Well, he played pickup games at noon with then-USC head coach Pete Carroll. I think Steve Sarkeesian was a part of it. And i got to dive a little bit more into that. That interests me a great deal. I'm curious. You think you think Pete Carroll has like a floater in the lane in noon ball? I'm just wondering. Uh, Dusty May, very proud of him. Very excited for him. Dusty May of Florida Atlantic is going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Yacht Rock Review tickets. That is going to be a smooth experience for you coming up in August at the TCU Amphitheater. I've got a pair of tickets when you hear a Yacht Rock reentry. I'll give you a great example. You know, Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, Ambrosia, Player, Jerry Rafferty, all some of the mainstays, Firefall. Atlanta Rhythm Section mainstays of the Yacht Rock format. It will be a fantastic time. When you hear a Yacht Rock song reentry, your cue to call number nine will win the tickets. We'll be doing that all week long. And again, coming up on Thursday and Friday. Thursday, we're going to be at Bottle Works for the start of the NCAA tournament. Friday, we'll be watching tournament games too, but we'll be celebrating St. Patrick's Day with an absolute load of folks. I think Gorman and Matt Taylor from the last words coming over from the Colts. I think Wells said he's going to RSVP and be there. Brent Halverson, Heaven Hill Distillery, our betting analyst, with some of his wagers as well for the tournament's going to be there. Thursday and Friday, a blast. Again, Bottle Works coming up on Thursday to start the NCAA tournament. And then on Friday, celebrating St. Patrick's Day, we will be at O'Reilly's downtown. All right, remember... Our brackets for bottles, too. I'll retweet that. Make sure you get your bracket in. Brackets for bottles over the course of this month of March NCAA tournament. All right, 239-1070. We'll get you on board here coming up in just a minute. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, let me wish a good afternoon to everybody involved. I swear to you, if you were to look out the window right now, you're thinking, what a spectacular day. It is just still too damn cold. But a spectacular-looking day, nonetheless, outside. HD Radio, the app, the stream, you can find us absolutely nationwide everywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan Locally. Back after this. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. My name is John, and I'm damn glad to talk with you today. Thank you. James is here. We've got Yacht Rock review tickets. This is not Yacht Rock. Now, we'll say this. This is Metallica. Metallica, about 2050, will be Yacht Rock. 
It is not Yacht Rock right now, however. Your chance to win is coming up a little bit later on. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, Matt Painter, Purdue. Still to come on the show. Meantime, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm assuming because all the hoopage that is going on around here is going to have a busy week, busy weekend. Here's Greg Rakestraw, who joins us. Hello, Greg. Hello, my friend, and I have a busy Saturday, but it is my time of the year that other than my Saturday gigs for a couple of weeks, life kind of slows down a little bit for me. And uh, uh, as I wrap up basketball next week, I will have fit in a full NBA season, 82 games in basically the span of five months. So I'm I'm doing a little bit of a break right now. Nice. So Matt Gay, overnight, uh, the news came out. It broke that he was signed $22.5 million for four years. And let me give you my thoughts on it. Now, I know a lot of people want to make fun of it. And I don't blame the people because the Colts are in a spot to where if they make kind of an odd move, so to speak, people are going to make fun of it. That's just where they are and who they are right now. But to me, some of the knowledge behind it is this. Um, I know a lot of teams are, are wanting to get a consistent kicker with length more so than ever now. But for a Colts team that's going into a season, certainly with a rookie quarterback, everybody assumes, including myself, don't you want to have somebody where you're thinking if a drive stalls, you can still get points? Whereas other teams out there, if the Buffalo Bills don't go the length of the field, everybody's going to be upset about that. But if you're the Colts and you have a drive stall, you still want to have the best opportunity and consistent opportunity to get points out of that. How much of that thinking goes into a somewhat surprising signing like this? A lot of it. I mean, I guess I would break it down like this. Is Matt Gay an upgrade over what you had here? Yes. Even though Chase McLaughlin was a good part of a bad season, is Matt Gay better? Yes. Is everything you said accurate? Yes. I still think you help your rookie quarterback by going out and getting some – go out and getting a few more weapons for him. Good idea. At the <laughs> wide receiver position and hopefully – that part of the equation is coming up sometime sooner rather than later. Yeah, good idea right there. That surprised you? But that was their target, their first outside of re-signing their own, um, as they did with Taekwon Lewis a day earlier. That surprised you that was their first move? A little bit, but if you remember, and was it was it 2018 that the first move was to sign the veteran punter from the Vikings? That that was the first actual deal made? And then, or was it maybe, maybe even 2017? Oh, yeah. And Rick Sanchez beat him for the <laughs> job. And I forgive me, I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but he was with the Vikings, was the first free agent of many that were signed, and didn't make the team out of training camp. So, Well, in the Polian era, they made that move for Venetarian free agency, right? Didn't that at the time surprise some folks? That's a that, that's a little bit of a different. No, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to justify this move with it. I'm just going right. back and making a comparison. I guess so. Yes, yes. If Matt Gay has a fraction <laughs> of the impact that Adam Vinatieri did no. here, then Chris Ballard did no. a hell of a job in bringing in. No, what, what I'm saying is, I know that was different because they were at the end of the line with uh, their pass kicker at that point, but. It just you go and they were ready built right then too. They weren't like this one and they were trying to to squeeze a squeeze a lot. Greg out of not much at that present time, but that's what Polian did. I think that was a Polian first move, was it not? In a free agency period back then, 
And that would have been before the 2005 season, if I remember right. Maybe it's, maybe it's actually 2000. That was 2006 for the 2006 season, because obviously that's the one that carried them on to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you suspect that they're going to make some moves on some offensive help for their rookie quarterback here? Or is this going to be kind of what we're seeing? Is this going to be a high watermark for this free agency well, period? I- you know, I heard Zach Kiefer talking about this earlier today with with uh, Kevin and Query, and that you know there is it's not a great free agent class, and there's not been a break the bank type of wide receiver that you have seen um, over the last few years. I've got to think that you're going to get some veteran wide receiver help at some point. That you simply have to, but just because you have to be thinking that second round draft pick might have to be mobile in case you in case you feel you have to get the three to get the guy that you want at quarterback. Again, your running back position is fine. You invested with two draft picks in the tight end spot last year. In theory, those guys are going to keep developing. Your tight end spot is fine. What I want to see is another offensive lineman brought in to provide challenge, more competition, et cetera, for the guys that are the incumbents there. But, again, go out and get me a veteran wide receiver. And I'm not saying an Odell Beckham Jr. Just get me somebody that you know is going to be a solid third or fourth option, a, even a, a, a hands guy, a move-the-chains guy, a safety valve for your young quarterback. To me, you have to go out and get some help at wide receiver. It's like Greg Rakestraw talking about this weekend being active. You going to be at Southport? No, I will be at Newcastle uh, okay. because the, the 2A teams are coming to Southport. Yeah. And they're, you know, the storylines, obviously one very negative one early. Yeah, today. we're going to have to get to that one too because that's yeah. that's not a new story, unfortunately, for Joey and Linton. Exactly. But the teams themselves and the players are really good. But, no, I am following uh, the 4A teams out to Newcastle. So I will see Ben Davis, Brownsburg for a second week in a row. I will see Bloomington North for the first time since last year's semi-state at Washington. And I will see Jennings County for the first time. I have to go back and look this up. I've done one Jennings County game over the years. It was at Franklin High School. Kendall Wildey was still coaching the team. It was sometime in the 99-2000-2001 era. It's the one time I've had Jennings County on a broadcast in my nearly 30-year career. And I will see them play in a semi-state for the first time in 25 years on Saturday. Is Jennings County similar to what we saw in Evansville Wrights when they were good four or five years ago, Greg? They get up and down the floor like they did? They do, but they, they again, they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're not as good as that Wrights team was. You know, that Wrights team had a couple of kids that played at USI. and had the Smith kids that played at Evansville and, and then Missouri. That was a team that had, you know, three or four really outstanding basketball players and, and division one or borderline division one kids. Jennings County's got a couple of kids going to play college basketball after their days at Jennings County are done, but it, it's a, it's a different level of talent. And while they get up and down the floor, it is not as amazingly frenetic as Mike Adams team was back in 2015. Well, Kokomo's in Michigan city, Fort Wayne, Wayne, Kokomo, Penn and Hammond central up there, right? Correct, and, and Kokomo and Penn are obviously the favorites. Hammond Central is really good, and Hammond Central doesn't get probably the attention they deserve because they play so many schools from Chicago. And it makes sense. I mean, my goodness, the state line's like a mile and a half away, 
from that brand-new campus at Hammond Central High School. So they played great comp to Chicago. When Hammond was a 3A school, they made a habit of kind of coming down here and playing in, like, the Brownsburg tip-off event. They played in the Sneakers for Santa event last year, didn't play in it this year. They played in North Central's holiday tournament a couple of years ago, and I got a chance to see them. Those kids have graduated, but the head coach and Larry Moore is still there. They're a good team. Wayne is a great story. You know, Wayne has not played a semi-state game for 42 years. This was their first sectional championship in 29 and found a way to beat Noblesville late. But Kokomo and Penn are, are the likely favorites in the morning games up in Michigan City. All right. Seymour's got Scottsburg, North Davies, which should be fantastic. And North Davies is a great story we've talked about before. Garrett and Beach Grove. I think Beach Grove is also a great story yep. considering what they did a year ago. And then you know, we talked about negativity surrounding a coach. Uh, going on right now they certainly had a great deal of negativity surrounding their coach they moved on and they're back in the semi-state that's a hell of a story that's a heck of a story and without mike renfro and again their their best returning player who was a star in the state championship game in anthony ball last year uh, transferred out uh, and and is not with that beach grove team now that is a class at Beach Grove. I think they have ten, I think they have ten senior boys basketball players on that team. And basically, last year's team was two seniors, or both both got minutes. But it was largely a group other than Anthony Ball that had been together and had grown up together. And so this is a team that knows exactly where the other one is going to be. They are probably not as high end um, in terms of talent as they were a year ago. But because three A is so wide open in the southern half of the bracket. They absolutely could be right back in the exact same game they were in last year, which is a 3A championship game. And of note, Beach Grove has played both North Davies and Northwood already this season. North Davies was a close loss at Southport, and they are the only team other than Ben Davis to beat Northwood, who is the favorite in 3A this year. Again, that game took place at Brownsburg back on December the 3rd as well. Wow. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Southport, as you mentioned, I saw my friend BT do ask you about Brownstown Central, their matchup with Cecina, and then Park Heritage and Linton Stockton. I know them as Linton. The Miners uh, got a heavy dose of really bad, ridiculous, bad decision-making news yep. regarding their coach this morning. Yeah, for those who don't know, um, the older uh, of, uh, you know, Joey Hart, we'll talk about him as the coach and, and then his son as the player. For a second time, really since, you know, Christmas holiday, right. he's been involved in a driving under the influence, operating a vehicle while intoxicated uh, charge. Um, and, you know, had spent some time away from the team, had come back. It happens again today. He's suspended. I would imagine if you're the folks at Linton Stockton, He's simply suspended until whenever your season is over. And at that point in time, you make a move and you go in a different direction. And you never want to see this happen ever, period, a first time, let alone a second time. But now this serves as a massive distraction going into what should be a great weekend because Lynn Stockton's really good. They haven't lost to anybody from the state of Indiana. Their one loss is to... I think either Union or Cooper um, out of Northern Kentucky yeah, correct. Uh, or, or, yeah. or earlier this year. Um, and Joey Hart's an Indiana All-Star. He's going to play at Central Florida next year. You know, Brownstown matches them in terms of having that great dynamic Division One talent in Jack Benner, who is going to play at Purdue a year from now uh, as he is a junior. And then Jim Stambro has done a great job coaching up Cecina. He got hired in September, and, and they're, in, they're in the semi-state. 
Park Heritage is young. They were in the state finals two years ago. This is a largely different group. But Rich Shelsky's done a heck of a job in coaching up, and they're probably here about a year ahead. That, that's Rockville, right? Is that Rockville? That, that is the merger of Rockville and Turkey Run is gotcha. what that is. And I, and I think they're in year four or five, and they've now reached the semi-state twice. That's 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 pretty impressive. So um, so anyway, that that's kind of the four-team breakdown. And let's face it, everybody's kind of pointing towards this Brownstown-Linton-Stockton showdown in the championship game. That could still happen. But it's not like there's a bit of a, a bit of a cloud kind of hanging over that that semi-state and that matchup because of what happened earlier today. Yeah, I know him really well too, really well. His uh, his his best friend was my roommate in college, and uh, I uh, I hate it, man. But just just a, an incredibly bad decision on all right and, and again for him right now I, I would assume that you know even with this big deal going on because you know Joey is such a good player and a good kid. Uh, going down the stretch, trying to get to the the state championship game, he's he's got much bigger issues to get right than thinking about coaching about yeah. basketball or anything right now. Greg, full disclosure. Uh, we, let, let's just hope Dad gets help, but it's it's frankly to some degree like what Mike Renfro went through at Beach Grove. Yeah. Hey, I, I I hope you get help. I hope your life gets right. It's not time for me to coach in this basketball team right now. You you take care of this and. Maybe at some point in time down the road, we'll have a conversation about getting back in the coaching ranks again. That's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us. All right, before I let you go, a little bit of college angle. IU, Purdue, what did you think about their draws? Um, you know, for, for IU, I thought being a 4 seed was legitimate. You know, the, the, the top of the MAC was really good this year. So when you're playing as a 4 or 5 seed, you are getting the best teams out of a one-bid one big league. So their opponent in Kent State, pretty doggone good. Um, and so IU's got to be ready. And, again, uh, I, I thought this was has been well described this week. You could say that IU ceiling maybe even higher than Purdue in terms of what they can accomplish. But, man, they just bottom out sometimes, and you're left scratching your head. Like, and, and that's not even the Penn State game in the semifinals. I'm going back to the Iowa game the week before. We're coming off all this momentum. You just went at Purdue, and you were dreadfully bad at home against Iowa. Uh, and so you're like, okay, which IU team is going to show up? So this will not be a cakewalk uh, against Kent State. For Purdue, you get kind of a bingo free space with the play-in game winner in game number one. But Florida Atlantic or Memphis, whoever they're going to see in game number two, that's a little scary. Uh, and so I just hope for Purdue's sake, this is not another story in Purdue postseason's gone wrong where expectations go haywire. And, you know, to me, the direct corollary here is the 1996 Purdue basketball team that was a number one seed that surprised a lot of folks. They were home after the first weekend of the tournament. And I hope to goodness for Purdue's sake, because I am, you know, I, I root for Purdue. I do. I want to. I wasn't here in my youth, but I'm such a big fan of Matt Painter and know so many of the people that are involved in that program and, frankly, covered so many of the players because they have so many Indiana high school kids in the roster. I want them to win the whole stinking thing. I'm worried about them not getting out of the first weekend, John. I, I think about it from this standpoint, too. There are, every other team basically has similar concerns, but yeah. it seems like that some of these boiler concerns have been consistent and especially as of late consistent and that's right. uh, that's something in the short term you got to try to shake off i mean you really do that's what we're going to see this year you're going to see a team that's going to get hot 
for four or five games and transfer that into a Final Four, you know, get to a Final Four by by virtue of that. And I don't think it's going to end up being, you know, one of these great teams that we think. I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise because everybody, Greg, easily can have holes poked into why you believe they could get ousted after game number one or game number two here. We always put too much stock into what happens in a conference tournament unless you had to win that conference tournament to get your way into the dance. What Memphis did the last two days in the American Athletic Conference Tournament, and I have no idea how to properly judge, other than Houston, how good that league is. But I know that Ron had his best team in Tulane in four years, and Memphis beat him by 40. I know that Houston had their best player get hurt, and so maybe they kind of you know pulled the brakes a little bit in that final, and Memphis smoked them in that final. So the fact that Memphis is on a bit of a roll heading in there and the fact that Florida Atlantic, and we're going to have Dusty on coming up later, you know, has 31 wins. Uh, bo- again, both those scare me in that potential 8-9 upset opportunity for Purdue. It's both a good thing and a bad thing that seemingly Purdue has won so many close games this year. It tells you how to get it done. At some point in time, your number comes up. And I hope it's the former and not the latter for Matt Stanton. You can look at all these higher-seeded teams, not as high as Purdue, but the highest seeding of teams, like Marquette, for example. I mean, Purdue, yep. people forget Purdue has ownership of a win, but Marquette back then was much different than what we have seen recently. Of course, absolutely. But, but I mean, let's face it, John, the college basketball well, season is so long. Yeah. You about a lot of teams. T- Tennessee's missing a player as a four right. seed. I mean, Kentucky's a six seed. I mean, they were everybody's trying to get their coach fired over the course of the season. Kansas State had a moment against Kansas about a month and a half ago at home, but they've been kind of on and off since. It, it literally is. Duke just kind of got good here down the stretch, and Purdue has ownership with a win over them early in the season, too. It's just such a massive jump ball. It really is. This is not the year for, for a chalk bracket. And because we all think that's the case, you know what's going to happen? Three or four one seeds are going to make it to the final four. If that's the case for Purdue, <laughs> yeah. good for them. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw with us, and you're going to Newcastle this weekend, correct? Uh, I am going to Newcastle, yes. So, again, morning session is uh, Ben Davis in Bloomington North, Brownsburg in Jennings County, then winners get together at 8. And all of those games are exclusive to IHSAATV.org. It is pay-per-view. But the deal that you get to watch all 24 games across the state is ridiculous. For 20 bucks, less than a dollar a game, you get to watch every semi-state game from your phone, from your laptop, from your smart TV. So while I want to see 9,000 people at Newcastle, and I just might because I think two-thirds of them are coming from Jennings County, their support has been crazy the first and, and, and the most wonderful way possible. Um, in, in the first two weeks of this tournament. If you can't make it, go to IHSATV.org because, again, that's a heck of a deal and you're supporting high school athletics in the process. How many schools in the state only have one high school? I'm assuming Jennings County is one of those, right? Um, let's see if we can do these off the top of our head and not completely kill your clock. I know you're such a big concern of that uh, when it comes to, 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 to the breaks. Uh, Blackford, yeah. Rising Sun, um, Owen Valley, Benton Central, Crawford County, Jennings County, Switzerland I, County. And Switzerland County would be would be it. I think that is it because even though Franklin County is the only public high school in that county, Oldenburg is in Franklin County. Right. There is a second high school with Oldenburg Academy. Uh yeah, I think that's it. I there think you you, I think you got that on the mark there. 
And I kept you on I kept you on schedule, which again I know is is a big deal for you. What about Pike Central? Pike Central will be at that group. See, it was rolling up, man. There we go, baby. Hey, give Sorry, it to me for you. southwestern Indiana right there. My apologies to all of you fine folks <laughs> listening in Petersburg as we speak. <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, dude. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, 5 o'clock hour. Matt Painter, head coach of Purdue, top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I am looking at everybody inside the lounge via YouTube Live right now. Thank you all for joining us. Look at Griff in there. Fundamental Scotty. This Joe to the Sea hanging out too. Gritty. Gritty not only is inside the lounge via YouTube live daily, but now a fantastic call into the JMV takeover every Saturday night, and I appreciate that. JMV, let's not forget Jay County. Shout out to Nathan Helm for that. Shane Hollowell checks in with Adam Thielen, who last week was cut by the Minnesota Vikings, would be a great pickup. Everything you need in a veteran. I will say this. I'm not going to dismiss that or really anything else offensively because it's necessary. It is. It may not be the best choice out there. It may not be close to the best choice, but if it's thought about and turns into a choice, then so be it because, again, it's necessary. Breaking news from J.R. Means. This is the Casey's location in Brownsburg. I've been in that Casey's general store before, and I have noticed this, the incredible comeback of Frito's barbecue corn chips, which, in case you're keeping track at home, will go down in history as the greatest chip of all time. Potato, corn, tortilla, popcorn, otherwise. The greatest chip, snack chip. Don't give me championship. I know that's why the cool people say chip. I got to go get a chip. <laughs> give me a chip. When they say I got to get a chip, I'm thinking about Fritos Barbecue. Greatest chip of all time. Thank you, JR. A lot more of that recently. There's no doubt. I see it a lot more now. Jason Gill says, Ron Stark was great, but he spelled Ron with an H. <laughs> is that, so why is spelling Ron with an H odd, but spelling John without an H is odd? Why is that? Matt Gay, $22.5 million for four years. I want to get your thoughts on that. 
We're going to talk to Dusty May, head coach of Florida Atlantic, in the 5 o'clock hour. Give you a chance to win. But up next, you can't wait, Purdue head coach Matt Painter joins us. Top of the hour. That's coming up next. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, regular season Big Ten champions, Big Ten conference tournament champions, a one seed waiting for their matchup and more. It is the head coach of the Boilermakers, Matt Painter, joining us again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Matt, thanks for the time. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. So you got to wait. You got to wait to find out who you prepare for until tomorrow night. Give me a little bit of insight on that dynamic. Yeah, you know, obviously the the playing games um, in Dayton on Tuesday and Wednesday. Our game is win was one of the games on Wednesday night between Farley Dickinson and Texas Southern. So, you know, it's kind of like going into the Big Ten tournament. You know, you got Rutgers and Michigan. And uh, I told our staff, I go, whoever you think is going to win and you prepare more for, they won't. And so, like, it's just one of those things that you can't <laughs> predict. I don't know how many times this is a little different, but we went like a four four out of five-year stretch where the game before us that we waited for went into overtime. And so just like, you know, it's kind of expect the unexpected type stuff. And you, you got to prepare, obviously, for both teams and, and be ready. Then obviously Wednesday night after you watch the game, you know, you have a day and a half to two days before you play. You know, now you can just kind of lock into that team. But the most important team is always going to be your team. You got to watch them. You got to watch the other team. You got to scout. You got to know what's going on. But you got to have your own team in the right frame of mind. So, Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, I don't think I've ever asked you this. How, how difficult, honestly, is it to go from the season where you get, and I know you don't have a great deal of time between Big Ten tournament games for prep, but you've seen nearly every, obviously everybody, right. and you prepared for them. How difficult is this in, in this kind of bounce back situation in a tournament to prepare for game after game? Um, it's the same for everybody, so I don't think anybody quite has an advantage. I think the more. Uh, disciplined you are, the more experienced you are, the more mature you are as a group, as a team, that helps you move from game to game and kind of understand things. I always talk about, you know, you're making mistakes when you win and you're doing good things when you lose. Obviously, one's going to weigh over the other because obviously you lost one game and you won the other one. But there's still a silver lining in there. You know, who's grabbing the silver lining and learning why they win? And that's what you got to be able to do. Um, So, like, that's what we'll do here in practice through the last two days is try to shore up some of the things um, that are consistent in the game no matter what happens. Like, you got to take care of the basketball. you got to rebound. I don't care who your opponent is. But then there's some other things where you struggle. You know, now you're going to go put in a little bit extra work because right now you're not going to go through other people's stuff very much. You're going to do a little bit of things from a general standpoint, but you don't know who you're going to play once again. And now get better, you know, get better as a team, get better collectively. And I think those things can really help you because if you're fortunate enough to win, you know, the first game, now how you handle that next game and that next scout is really important. Sometimes, you know, teams are really difficult. We're hoping to be that difficult team, you know, and so instead of kind of thinking always, you know, kind of engineering your thoughts about like, like what you have to do for them, they still got to guard you. 
they still got to adjust to you. So who's worried about who? So hopefully you know what the hell you're doing from a defensive standpoint, but also causing a lot of problems for your opponent from an offensive standpoint. How do you factor in rest this time of year? Yeah, um, we've taken two days off the previous two weeks. And I could have taken off two days right here because we play on Friday. But we're going to practice a little bit today. We're going to go for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Not very long, but just to, to work on some things that we need to work on. Um, but for the most part, if you'll allow – see, your schedule is going to flip when it comes to conference. And you don't set your conference schedule. But you're going to get a gap in there where you have some more time off. But, you, you know, you can't pick that. They pick that. Right. So ours was at the end of the year. Even though we struggled, we were getting um, we were getting some rest in there. We were getting – and it's more from just kind of a mental approach than anything, kind of getting away from it for a day, getting away from it for two, guys that are banged up, hopefully, you know, getting healthy. But also from a mental standpoint, like it's a grind. Like, you know, we, we start, you know, working and doing stuff in June. And, you know, you got to keep things in perspective because, you know, you want to be peaking and playing your best basketball at this time of the year. So you can't lose your mind sometimes June, July, August, September, you know, the time. But you got to be getting things in and you got to be working on things from a building block standpoint to where you're getting better. You keep improving because you're going to have struggles in certain areas as you're trying to gel your team. Now you want to have it right at the end of the year. The problem is everybody else is going to have the same recipe. You know, so, so it's not like you're yeah. doing something that other people aren't. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the regular season title and the Big Ten tournament title. How special has this season, with still a lot of work to be done, but how special has this season been for you and your team so far? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about, you know, at the end right there, like what we were learning as, as we were losing some games. Um, in there. And that's what you want. You know, you know, it's just some growth right there. You want to keep getting better. You move to the next game, you know, and stay in process base. And sometimes it's missing free throws. Sometimes it's missing open shots. No one's trying to do some of those things. When you have some fundamental issues, you know, you want to be able to kind of get better, you know, in those areas. But being able to win the league by three games like that's that was that was huge for our guys. It's a great accomplishment, you know, for to be able to kind of separate from the pack because we have a lot of really good teams, um, you know, in our league. So, obviously, winning the tournament <clears throat> a little different. Neutral court, three games, three days. Some people have to play four games. Some people have to play five games if they can pull it off. Um, so. That was cool that we were able to do that for the first time in the same year, um, and we've never done that before. So our guys have been able to kind of, you know, win in the you know Phil Knight's tournament against the, the quality competition, being able to win our league by three games, then being able to win the tournament. Like you know, our, our guys have really hung in there on some neutral courts, obviously away. Being seven and three on the road in the Big Ten might be the biggest accomplishment. The problem for us was we we started off six and zero, oh, so you don't look at it that way. You know you go yeah. one and three in the last four games but last time I checked everybody that beat us was pretty good yeah there's no doubt about that I want to bring up Phil Knight and out in Portland how, how much do you think that prepped your team in the success that they had for the type of season overall that they've had to this point Matt well I think it gave them you know confidence that they belonged <clears throat> obviously we go from unranked after that tournament to fifth in the country so to be able to beat Marquette at home 
which really outplayed us for the first 30 minutes of that game. Um, and then to win neutral games against West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke in kind of the fashion that we did. Uh, all three were double-digit you know, wins um, out of the Phil Knight thing. I think that was the really the, the, the point for us that, that builds some confidence for our group, you know, that, that, that we could be special and, and, and do some really nice things um, going forward. If we, you know, play, play together at that time, I thought we did some really good things offensively. Our defense, we were scheming a little bit, but our defense, um, you could tell, was drastically improved from the year before. We just were, were more connected. And, um, but, you know, I think confidence is huge. And I think they just, I think our guys felt good about themselves, and that really helped them. Offense or defense? And you mentioned this, Matt, to me before that, you know, sometimes your offense looks really good, and the only reason why it looks good is because you're knocking down shots. And sometimes it looks right. good when you're not knocking down shots. Right. And when, when, when you've got 40 minutes and somebody could be hot and remain hot, how, how difficult is this in the importance between what your team gives you on the defensive end compared to the offensive end that we've talked about before? with your team, Matt? Where's the importance lie here? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think if you watch us play, we get a lot of open shots. And like that's, I think that's been frustrating for our guys because I think we have some skilled you know, players that haven't consistently shot the ball well, but they're fully capable of. And, you know, we know that they can knock down those shots. So we, we had a lot of open shots in, in the Big Ten tournament. We, we shot better the first two games. The last game we didn't shoot as well. It really would have separated the game. You know, we went six for 28 from three. You know, you knock down four or five more threes. It just changes the whole game. Yeah. But those looks weren't tough looks. Those looks were wide open looks. And that's what we got to just step into and knock down. That's what's exciting about the tournament now. Because for us, if we can keep playing well on the defensive end and just keep executing and playing through Zach. Now, if we can get those same type of shots, I'm confident our guys are going to step up and make them. You know, the one thing, and I talked to Bruce Weber about this yesterday, and I haven't kept a stat on this. It's just from, from watching the most dangerous situation I think for for your team or anybody's team defensively is that defensive glass because if you don't get it the kick out for a wide open step into three which for so many of these dudes Matt is a layup that to me is like the most dangerous thing out of it and I, I almost put the level of importance on your defensive glass around in the NCAA in this tournament especially in a one and done atmosphere about as important as anything else at least from what I've watched yeah you know if you can secure rebounds um, and keep us off the offensive glass like that's really going to help you he when you take him away um, a lot of times that puts him in really good offensive rebound position so we almost flip it on you if you can't get him the basketball the people that full front and really get up there and do some things it just really opens up he's had games this year he's had 10 offensive rebounds and you know yeah. in one game you know and so like those things but he's, he's really smart about you know, when he's bottled up about, like you talk about those spray out threes after offensive rebounds, you know, and, and that's what you want. And see, that's what you get a lot um, when the ball goes in the post and it doubles and it gets into rotations. You get step in threes. The same thing with the spray out threes after offensive rebounds or step in threes. That's the highest percentage three. You're not on the move. You're not dribbling the basketball. You're just stepping in and shooting things in rhythm like you're doing warm ups. The Mason Gillis offensive glass crash. Is that because yeah. most of the time his guy comes over and doubles Zach, or is that by design from him because he's good at it? Yeah, no, no matter what, he's charging. You know, he's he's coming in there, and um, you know, at times he'll get a couple fouls right there. But you know, you want 
you know, you want him being aggressive. When you go high-low, a lot of times those guys that guard the guy up top, which you have to guard him, they go flying at Zach. So yeah. if Zach turns around and shoots before he gets there, those guys, you know, you can't go and double him and box out Mason at the same time. So you got a choice that you have to make in those situations. And so we try to move our guys as much as possible because we know eyes – and awareness go towards Zach. And then that's what we're trying to get that big to big dump down, trying to get the spray out threes, trying to get people in rotations. While we stay, you know, people, especially people that don't double, like they could be good at maybe doubling if they don't do it, but they're not going to be good in a rotation. Like it, it takes a lot of coaches will if they're actually listening, um, well, not on this because they just, you know, coaches, that's why you see them switch a lot now. Like you might not ultimately like the matchup after you switch, but you just don't like being in rotations. Like when you get in rotations, you get behind, people are going to bust you on closeouts. They're going to drive the basketball. It's going to lead to more fouls. You're just flying around, but everybody's got to be in rotations at some point. You try to minimize them. Well, when you deal with him, and if you're going to double him, then you're going to live in a rotation. So now it's just getting to the right spots, moving the basketball and, and really learning how to attack. Yeah, I just I rarely see anybody straight line crash like Mason Gillis does, and I mean this consistently. <laughs> and he does. I mean, it, right. it's you know, it doesn't matter who's in it. So he just he goes straight. There's no, yeah, mm -hmm. there's no roundabout way that he goes. He just goes straight to the rim, and it's like consistently on, on on every shot. And especially to me, what I've noticed, Matt, is when that ball goes into the post to Zach. Yeah, when it's high low like that, a lot of those guys just turn and they go and they give their attention to Zach and then you know, they ignore him and that just gives him a lane just to to dive in there and fly in there and he, he's initially trying to get that big to big pass to get that layup because you know that's what and if they take that away then you're going to pull people from the weak side so now you've doubled the post maybe tripled the post and then that dive takes another guy well that's either that's three people you've taken on or maybe even four people you've taken on there now you're into just one more pass out of that for a shot or one more pass in the hockey assist hey matt can there be a noticeable change in the whistle from going from a regular season big 10 tournament to the mm -hmm. ncaa tournament without question Without question, there can be. And then, you know, just this this is what gets with officials, and there can't be. You know yeah. What I mean? Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get used go, to something. That's all the – this has been a fan base yeah. kind of argument forever, man. And I kind of wanted you to speak to that, not just for your own team, but, but for everybody, especially out of the Big Ten in this case. Yeah, and we've had some games, especially on the road. We had three or four games, and if I lined up and queued up, like the calls or the things that aren't called, like you would like, it, it would get to where it's hysterical because you can't believe that they just allowed it to go on. For me, it's like, you know, control what you can control. So like if we get a bad whistle on the road and we turn it over 17 times, man, it's, even though I'll say something every now and then, it's hard for me to say something. It's like, turn the ball over 17 times. You went 10 for 18 from the free throw line. Like, make your free throws and take care of the ball. Then if these things happen, like, okay, fight for your team. You know, argue for Zach, whatever you got to do. But let, let's keep, you know, let's keep our mindset on things that we can control unless it's really egregious. It got really egregious for about a three or four game stretch.
stretch where they just ignored things. They, they were just, you know, they were just killing him. And now the last five, six, seven games of the year, and in some of those games we struggled, I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought the whistle in the tournament was a lot better in the Big Ten tournament was a lot better. But I thought the end of the season was a lot better. It just took them a while to adjust to how some things were getting called. And then we had some refs come from other leagues that just totally ignored obvious things. They just let him get beat up. And, you know, so you get into the tournament. I know what happens in the tournament because those guys want to advance. They're going to all call consistently on what the head guy wants because they want to go. They want to go from the first game to the second game, get to the Sweet 16, just like teams, players, and coaches. They want to do the same thing. So that's where I think you see a more consistent whistle. What I don't like about it, and I've always voiced it, is I don't like getting crews that have never worked together. I just think that it, it makes no sense. I don't know why you can't have two leagues going against each other, have a neutral league that has three officials that can work that. Maybe it just can't from the, the semantics of things and organically like work that way. But I, I just don't like getting in you know, to really, really good games and tough games. And then you got three strangers out there working all three good individual refs. But the whole thing is how well do they, you know, how well do they ref a game together? So they, they judge individually and not collectively to move forward right. here, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they, they've had a little bit of it in the past where they've had some crews advance together because they've been so good together. But you're, you're talking very, very rare. Um, I've always thought that makes a lot of sense. And I think you would have a, a, a better ref game. Um, you'd, have, you'd have a better collaboration, too. Sometimes it's hard for those guys, you know, when they get there and they're, they're collaborating with people that they're familiar with that they've been reffing with for 10 right. years. Right, that's reputation. That yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't collaborate with other people that are good officials. I'm not saying that you can't do it. But you just have – it's no different than being on a staff or having a team like, you know, you, you build trust. And if you don't have trust in each other, even though everybody's knowledgeable in the group, I just think that you don't have the same cohesiveness. How does uh, you prepare Zach for, you know, possibilities on, on stuff? That, I mean, obviously, you're not going to, you're not going right. to weigh the red flag, but how do you, how do you yeah, prepare Yeah, he's, he's all right. He, he gets it. He, he's pretty mature about stuff and he understands that, you know, don't, don't let them fouling you you know, lead to you fouling them because then they're going to call it on you. Like, be smart about it. Know when to be physical. Know when to be aggressive. And know when, especially when they're getting aggressive on him, know when to make simple plays and just pass the basketball. But, you know, be physical without fouling. You know, that there, there's an art to it, and you learn to do that as a player. And he's really done a good job of, you know, keeping his elbows in, not swinging his elbows, protecting himself, protecting the basketball. But he's got a good feel for things. You know, it doesn't mean there's not some hiccups right there, but he's pretty mature about stuff. When he argues, he rarely, rarely is wrong. He doesn't argue very much. So when you see him argue, when you see him argue and he outwardly does something, I sometimes can't see it, especially in the first half. That's when I'm like, you know, he's not a guy that begs. You know, when he, when he argues, he's, he got fouled and they missed it. He um he seems more straight up, especially defensively, than I've ever seen him. I mean, he, he, he seems very noticeably cognizant of you know making sure he's trying to be straight up and doesn't give the opportunity for that whistle, especially kind of a ticky tack whistle that you can get. Yeah, he got one other day in the game. Um, was that the Katie reaction one right there? Is that what we're talking about? Was. It might have yeah. been that one. Yeah, yeah, he got one other day. But like, no, he's he, he's good with it. Like, you're, you're going to get some things, and you know, when when guys go to shoot, you know, for him especially, like you know, challenge high. Don't swipe when guys shoot it. You know, swipe when guys drive it. But don't swipe when they shoot it because you swipe and you miss or you barely hit somebody. Those guys almost, you know, they almost call that 
um, every single time. So yeah. just trying to go as high as possible, especially when you when you have the reach that he does. He's Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers. Before I let you go, um, at the uh, the conversation you had after you guys won the Big Ten Conference Tournament, obviously it was talking about the way uh, that the game ended, the way that you closed out. Um, mm-hmm. What would you tell your team after that, the way that that thing went, the way Penn State got back in it, the way you closed it out and won? But how do you, how do you yeah. move forward from that? And what did you tell yeah. the group after that game? Well, that's – yeah, we didn't tell them anything because you, you celebrate and you yeah. do stuff and you don't want to take it. But we, that's what we're going to – that's what we'll work on today. You know, we, we talked about it going into the tournament. We talked about it after the first and the second game. And it's not really like what we're doing against the press. It's just individuals – being able to do their job and then being able to read scenarios and being able to handle pressure and help each other. So we got to do a better job of using our voices. We got to do a better job of helping each other, but also just squaring and looking at your goal. Like we're flashing and catching the basketball and then not looking at our goal. We're catching the basketball too deep in the corner. Um, And sometimes you get stuck that way, but when you do square up and see your goal, and then you can make passes. Now you have sideline. Now you have inbounder. Now you have middle. Now you have long opposite. You have a lot of possessions. We just had some guys not be fundamentally sound, leave their feet when they pass, not help people when their man goes in traps. So it's a lot of drill work. We've done a lot of work on this. And I know like Coach Weber is asking questions, half joking, half serious about like you guys work on the press or whatever. You know, we just got guys that just have to you know feel better about it and just take care of it. And, um, and and when we do, we've actually done a good job throughout the year. We've just had some hiccups here. And, um, you know, just be fundamentally sound. I know you come off like your grandpa when you say, you know, be fundamentally sound. But that's all it is. It's passing and catching. And, and, and just taking care of it and helping each other out. Matt, our grandparents knew what the hell they were talking about. You know what yeah, I mean? We just, didn't, we, we just didn't think so. But now we, now we get it. <laughs> now we get it. Too damn old. By the way, I, I was talking to Bruce Weber on the show yesterday, and he did bring up the whole the, the press thing. And it's like you, you never work on it. Yeah, you know what? Now nah, we just go out and screw it. We're not going to work on it at all, so we're yeah. not paying attention to it. But it uh, is good. Have, in closing, have you seen um, a landscape in college basketball that seemingly – is as as even with really good teams as we've seen across the board this year? No question. I, I think you have, you kind of see it in the tournament when you have, you look at seeds and you look at different things and you know, you'll see like a two fifteen game, then you'll see a seven ten game and you'll be like, man, there's not a lot of difference between that two seven and that ten. There's a difference between the fifteen doesn't mean the fifteen can't win or the sixteen can't win because they can, but there's not a lot of differences with those teams. Obviously, the twos had. I'm just using that as an example. The twos had um, a better year, and the seven has had a little bit better year than the ten. But when it gets down to it on a neutral court in those teams, there's not a big difference. And, and sometimes in fans, they see that that two gets beat by that ten. After the ten beats the seven, they're like, man, what in the world? This is an upset. It's an upset by numbers. But um, one of the crazy things is, uh, is seeing the line, right? You see a line of who's favored, and you'll see that two versus the ten, and the, t- and the two will be favored by a point. And you'll be like, "It's the ten and the two. Like, come on! <laughs> like, how can that be?" But it's that's the way it is. It's very it, it's it's way more even than people think um, it, it is at that time. And that's what you know. As you get into it, that's what you got to look at. It's just a game. Just look at it as like a regular tournament, like yep. you're going to Maui, to Maui to play. And then when you play those teams, like you're like, all oh, these teams are good. Well, that's the NCAA tournament. Like all these teams are good. And so, and I always tell our players, like everybody earns their way here. Like this isn't an exempt tournament where they signed up four years ago. Like everybody earned their way into this one. 
I, I think of it this way, too. You guys beat Gonzaga back in November in Portland. And Gonzaga has, you know, had you know, good teams throughout, certainly the past five years. I, I don't know if this team for Gonzaga is as talented as many in the past five years prior, two of which went to the national championship game. But because everybody is so, and I mean good, evenly right here, this, this may be a really good chance for them to advance, even though a lot of those that are in the know, I guess, nationally suggest that they're not nearly as, as good as what they have been. It just kind of shows yeah. the evenness at a higher level this season. Yeah, there's a lot of parity, but I think there's been a lot of parity. I don't think there's that one team in, in this year that that jumps out. I think Kansas, to me, jumps out because I like their experience. They, they've, had, they've had a very good year, but I like their experience of being in the tournament last year and winning it. And so, like, if anybody would get a nod, I think they would get a nod just because they've been through it before. Not to say other people haven't been through it, but not to that degree where they've had that kind of success, you know, being in a championship game, being down 15 and a half coming back and winning it, you know, know, it it kind of speaks volumes to that. So if anybody separates there a little bit, I, I would give the nod to them. No doubts, Matt Painter. Hey, by the way, too, I didn't ask you to speak on this because that's further down the road, but Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, is a really good friend of mine. We're from the same high school in southwestern Indiana, a very small high school called Eastern Green. So he's got a, a game, a first-round matchup with Memphis that, I don't know, right. it could happen, but uh, he's going to come on a little bit later on today. So very happy yeah, with no what doubt. he's it, accomplished. It, it, they're, they're, a good, they're a good team, man. You know, they won 31 games. Uh, a lot of dudes top. that play together, Matt. A lot of dudes that have played yes. together for a bit. There you go. And they yeah. can shoot. They all can shoot. Um, one through four, and they can defend, and they have interchangeable pieces. They got a kid from the region, John L. Davis. It's a really good player, good piece, man. The guy can play multiple positions, can guard multiple positions, competitive, knows what's going on. Yeah, he's done a really, really good job. Hey, Matt, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for hopping on here, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk, chat further down the road, man. Congratulations on everything this year, and the best of luck moving forward. All right, thanks, man. You got a Matt Painter right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group podcast line nobody better to talk college basketball with head coach of the boilermakers all right, 239-1070. I mentioned Dusty May is going to join us, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll react to what Matt had to say with you coming up on the other side. 93-5-107-5, the fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Matt Painter, Boilermaker Head Coach, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. All-Americans Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis of the Five announced earlier today. Congratulations to them. T. Shaw says, Matt is one of your greatest interviews. Who has been your worst interview? Pitt stain denim shirt. Yeah, Kel Kel hung up on me 
And actually, it wasn't the first time we talked. It was the second time. The first time we talked to was Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was going to play. This may have been in Gene Cady's final season in West Lafayette. And Oklahoma was going there to play. And he came on. And he was the nicest dude ever. And then after he got the IU job, and I wasn't a big fan of it at the time, when I was on a different station, I was not a big fan of it. And I talked about how I was not a big fan of it. And man, he hung up on me at the end. And this was always lasting. It's funny now when you think about it, because the last thing he said was, uh, the one thing we can both agree on here is we both need to have thick skin. And then click and it was over. I don't know why he ended it that way, but clearly he wanted to end it that way. Um, Honestly, though, T. Shaw, that is not the worst. Adam Schefter, in not just the one infamous interview from the Combine, but like two others, even going all the way back to the NFL Network when he started there, they were so terrible. And what was funny, early on when he was at the NFL Network, he... He came on. They were trying to promote him endlessly, and he came on all the time. And this was prior to me being here. It was when I was at WNDE. But he came on all the time, and he's always really short and, act, well, and literally and figuratively and acting like he didn't want to be there, which was probably true. But it was the people that he worked for that continued to promote him. Yeah, you got to go on. You got to do this. You know, we want you on the show. And he was terrible. So, I mean, even leading up to the infamous one where I asked him his favorite color, that was bad. <laughs> That's about as bad as it gets. So he's by far the worst. Not even a hanging up on me, Kelvin Sampson, can be worse than that. Going back in all those years. Hey, JMV, I'm a Buckeye fan, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I have a crush on Matt Painter. Marcus Kidwell says, quit having Matt Painter on. I don't want to like the guy, but it's nearly impossible. Go Hoosiers anyway. (laughs) It's pretty funny. So, JMV, last night the Colts signed a kicker for four years and $22.5 million. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on? They... This is my opinion here, and this is how I started the show. Wanted to solidify it with a better leg and more accuracy. And this is how I view it. I don't know if anybody else views it this way other than me, and that's fine. But I view that better leg as being, this is how this offense is going to look. And in normal circumstances, if your offense stalls, a little bit inside midfield, you know, in the somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-yard range. Instead of having to go for it, and certainly you don't want to punt then and believing that your guy does not have the leg, they're going to bring in somebody and pay him handsomely, uh, the highest-paid kicker of all time, by the way, to do just that. That's my theory. Now, the reason why people are laughing is this. 
it's because the team was 4-12-1 and one a year ago, and the team clearly needs offensive weapons. I just think what the team is telling you right now, that with a rookie quarterback, that they need to sure up that category just to get some points out of it. And that's what they've done, or believe that they have done, by doing that with Matt Gay. It is a lot of money. Chase McLaughlin really didn't do anything to deserve to get bounced other than not be as good as what this team wants. I just wish at some point, and I know you can make the argument, well, look what they did last year with Alec Pierce. Look what they've done two years prior. Michael Pittman Jr., what are you talking about? Look what they did with Jelani Woods. You're going to have to be even more focused this season to bring in some help from your rookie quarterback. If this is like the starter to help out more offensively and you look at that as your kicker, then fine. But you don't just bring in a kicker and still not try to put something else in the works offensively here. So, yes, what I'm trying to tell you is they believe that oftentimes this season, Will Levis, the rookie quarterback out of Kentucky, may come up short may get them across the 50-yard line, so you want to get points instead of going for it, and nobody's going to punt it nowadays. So you're going to bring in somebody with a strong leg. That's my theory, one of them, and I'm going to stick to it. Hey, listen, the reason why you laugh is because they're so bad. The reason why you laugh is because they've been so bad and because you're a a non-believer, and I completely understand that. Uh, the first time I saw it last night, I thought, okay. Highest paid of all time, $22.5 million. And, and the other aspect about this is you look back at Chase McLaughlin, which you would be accurate. He was the least of their issues a year ago. Look at all these other issues that they had. From on-the-field play to decision-making. But thinking about this in the way that they are, You just have to back this up with more help. Somebody brought up Adam Thielen, for example, a little bit earlier. I don't care. If it's somebody that has a track record of doing it, that can help this offense and certainly help what we all believe is going to be a rookie quarterback, then I think you have to do it. I think you owe it to everybody to do it. Now reach in your change purse right there and grab it. (laughs) That's what you did for the kicker. So true. JMV, is Jim Irsay more worried about feuding with Dan Snyder than having a general manager who feels building a competent football team? We've had as many South Park retweets as we've had free agent signings. All right, here's what I believe on that front. Actually, well, I'll tell you what, I got a little bit of time. I'll tell you right here. Um, I believe what you also see is, remember how we all talked about that the owner needs to take a step back? Right? He needs to take a step back. That's what he's he's doing. I think that's what he's doing. Now, a lot of us wonder why you take a step back and you leave it to Chris Ballard going into a seventh year, going into an eighth year, to me going into a ninth year. But that's what he's doing right here. And let's face it, once 
he figured out that going with Jeff Saturday was not going to be an option. I think that he has stepped back. I think this is a part of what he's doing and is stepping back. And by the way, I misspoke. Matt Gay's the highest free agent kicker of all time. I think I said the highest paid kicker of all time. Highest free agent signing for a kicker of all time. So hopefully that makes more sense to you. No, but when you bring up, and I'll get back to Adam Thielen, he may be washed or close to it, but anybody can help a rookie quarterback that's going to need a lot of help. I can't tell you what I think this offensive line is going to look like. I can't tell you if I think this offensive line is going to be any better than it was a year ago. You know, maybe with a quarterback with a stronger arm than you or better escapability than you, maybe that'll work out better. Sometimes it does feel like, and it has, this whole thing is is all over the map. I mean, you build in a way that the rest of the NFL hasn't. I mean, you're really, you're, you're backwards in terms of, you know, normally you, you get to quarterback and then you build around him. And now you got these high dollar pieces that aren't getting younger. And I guess you're hoping that your quarterback hustles up and catches up to them. True. That's what you got to hope here. It's not like, I mean, guys like Quentin Nelson, guys on the offensive line that are high dollar. Who knows what's going to happen to Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith. You know, on the other side, DeForest Buckner, Shaquille Leonard, Jonathan Taylor, who's going to get extended, going to get a new deal coming up here before the start of next season. These guys aren't getting any younger. So it stands to reason that you have to bring somebody in. People ask all the time, well, you know, what if it's Anthony Richardson? Anthony Richardson, you think he takes longer? Then Levis takes longer than Stroud, takes longer than Young. And I just bring up Levis because that's who I believe it's going to be. We're thinking about it in terms as how much time Chris Ballard has, how much more time, how much more cushion is he going to get. But you also need to think about it in terms of these high-dollar guys that are here to win right now. You're going to have to wait, and you have been waiting for the rest of the team, your offense, your quarterback to catch up with you. That's not normally how it's done. And it is kind of funny, too, when you think about it. You think about somebody that has been, free agency speaking, so frugal, so cost-efficient. And then even though, I don't know if it still counts as the first day, did that signing of Matt Gay count? On the first day, did it get in or reported under the wire? I'm assuming so. You know, normally not getting involved in high dollar first day stuff. And, you know, the high dollar first day was a four year, $22.5 million deal for a kicker. All right, quick break and we shall return. I'll get your calls coming up on the other side. Jay, you can lead us. Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. He's going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Matt Painter, head coach of Purdue Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Greg Rakestraw as well sets up a semi-state weekend. Talked about the Colts free agent signing of a kicker, the Colts moving forward, and some college hoop. We got the initial start of the tournament coming up tonight and tomorrow night. Talk about that and more coming up in your calls next. 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiots in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ray and Indy writes this, JMV. Wouldn't Thielen also help out with a really young wide receiving room? No vets in there. Reggie, a second-year coach. What's Thielen, 32? I believe right now. I'm not dismissing any of that, even at the age of 32. You know, it's weird. I'd always kind of liked a young wide receiver like DJ Chark. Then last year, was he in Detroit last year? I don't think he did much of anything last year. Hey, I'm telling you, there's not a robust wide receiving market right here. You know, Veteran-wise, there are some names out there. There isn't any help in that room. And, and the other thing I would do, and they, they haven't done it yet, I would guess they would, and this is not a major deal at all, but I think after last year, you bring Paris Campbell back, right? It's not like that you write a huge check, but don't you bring him back? Don't you seriously at the very least think about bringing him back? Yeah, Thielen, as I said, is 32. Again, it's not a huge market for for wide receivers that are out there right there. Certainly now. But a, a couple of names. Yeah, I think Chark last year in Detroit. He signed a one-year deal last year. Didn't do anything. That was seemingly a team that kind of had moments last year. Offensively with Jared Goff. He had, what, 30 catches last year? Something like that. I'm looking that up right now. I just That struck me because he's 26 years of age. Assuming you want to get somebody young. See, Thielen is 32. And you're talking about guys like Robbie Anderson, Nelson Aguilar. No, I'm not suggesting these guys at all. I'm just giving you names. Deontay Hardy's 25. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's 26. Uh, you're kind of getting into a odd territory right there. So it is not robust whatsoever. The addition or one or the other would not seem like a bad move, though. You know, when you're talking about a guy like, like Thielen to help, but a guy like Thielen may want to go someplace else with a team that's certainly more ready to win than this one appears to be. 
It's from Jim McCann in Southern California. The bar for the newly drafted Colts quarterback has been set as low as the bar can possibly be set, not knowing yet who it will be. Levis Richardson, Hooker, cannot be worse or more frustrating to watch than Wentz and Ryan. Oh, and I agree, Ballard is going nowhere soon. Greg writes this, I think that signing of Matt Gay, the kicker for $22.5 million, is another sign that Ballard is trying to be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Listen, I I don't know. Well, I do. I, th- I think that he believes that in whatever room he walks into in terms of football. But at the same time, trying to give some reasons as to why that that would be prioritized in the fashion in which it was. And I think those are valid reasons. Again, those are just not reasons for a ready-to-win type of team, which is exactly what you have here. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, very excited to talk to him. The former Eastern Green Thunderbird checks back in. Their first-round matchup is with Memphis. Dusty May from GC set to join us next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw earlier. Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers. Podcasts both 107.5thefan.com. Yacht Rock review tickets before the end of the show. Trackside Kevin and Kevin tonight at 7 o'clock, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is a star of not just stage, but of screen as well, given the fact that he was making his first appearance on the Today Show, first ever from Eastern Green High School to appear on the Today Show, unless it was in a mugshot. It um, is head coach of Florida Atlantic, Dusty May is with us. Big fella, congratulations. I'm proud of you. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I also appreciate you having me on. Hey, is it going to be Salisbury East in Columbus coming up on Friday? Do we know? Yeah, I think so. We have a lot. Anna, uh, my wife, handling all tickets and everything oh, else. Oh, no. So, uh, we, we can focus on hoops. So I'm not really sure who's going, who's not, but I'm sure we'll have a nice contingency. You're not letting David Hayes and his long nickelback hair handle the tickets there? Come on. I think the dude might be there. <laughs> I sense, I sense a road trip for real too. What a great year! And how did the whole Today Show thing come about? I watched that. That was a fantastic piece. Yeah, the uh, the correspondent, the Miami Beach correspondent, uh, he knows someone in, in our president's office. And I guess back in maybe January, she saw him at a social event and told him about our our team and the momentum we were we were. Uh, 
get, you know, we're, we're gathering it. And, and so he just said, Hey, if it keeps going, uh, that might be a nice piece later on. So he started following us. And then obviously with, uh, the, the late season success we had, uh, they jumped, they jumped on the opportunity. It was, it was pretty cool for our school to see, uh, you know, uh, our, our basketball team on, on, uh, a program of that magnitude. He is Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Their 8-9 matchup in round number one is coming up on Friday in Columbus. That is against Memphis. I want to get to your matchup in a second, but I do want to ask you this, and, and I've known you for a long time. I mean, you're grounded as hell. I know you can take all this on and, you know, focus, you know, tunnel vision on basketball. That's going to be no issue for you. But honestly, how much has been coming at you for the past couple of days with all of this in mind? Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's you know, you go from uh, maybe 15 minutes a day of media to several hours a day of media, and, and the position we're in, we can't pass that up now. It does so much for uh, the growth of our athletic department, the uh, perception of our university. So it, it's something that is part of our job. It's a responsibility and something we're happy to do. Uh, but it, it is a lot, and it's distracting. But um, I'd much rather have that than the alternative. Well, and there's no doubt about that. And I mentioned you as a grounded individual that can stay focused on the task. But the thing that I've noticed about your team, it's a group that is very team-oriented and also a group that I'm assuming you have no problem with being able to handle a spotlight for the first time like they're getting. No, you know, I, we were paying close attention to how they would respond to the, the attention that we were getting uh, throughout the winning streak earlier in the season. And, and I was amazed as, a, as an adult that they stayed as focused and uh, driven as they did after you went five games, 10 games, 15 games, 20 games. Nothing changed uh, with their work ethic, their work capacity. Actually, it, it improved because they wanted more. So it's just a unique group that they love to practice, they love to compete, and they really enjoy each other. And that's, I told someone earlier today on Dale and Cup and Jacob Hester's show on Sirius, I said, that's the thing that I'll remember about this team. You know, you, you think that you're going to remember the championships and all that, but I'll remember the, the, the how well these guys supported each other and they, they were excited for each other's success. And that's not always common in today's climate. But if you watch our guys, whoever makes the play, you see their teammates and you would think they just won the lottery. They're so excited. So that, that's been the, the most gratifying part of this entire season is just seeing how much our guys have sacrificed and supported each other. You know, Dusty May joins us. The Owls of Florida Atlantic with a first-round matchup in Columbus versus Memphis. You still got a lot of work to do and a lot of hills to climb on this. I understand that. I don't want to get all cliched on you. But the impact that this season – to this point even, Dusty, that that will have on Florida Atlantic University and that basketball program has to be immeasurable. Yeah, they, they, they've told us about the, the amount of exposure the university's uh, garnered because of this. It's, it's, it's alarming. It's eye-opening in, in a good way. Uh, but we're proud to do it. Um, it. It's been awesome. We have a great group of guys that really represent our community and, and university well. So um, it, it's gone fast. It seems surreal. But, um, you know, it, we're worried now that uh, our concern is now shifted towards not just being happy that we made the tournament, but go to the tournament and play up to our potential and stay as hungry as we've been all year and uh, see, see if we can make some noise. Do you get into them at all if you see as if maybe there's any complacency? And I'm, I know that there's not, but if you, you see, could you see it if it did occur yeah. with this group in the short term like now? Yeah, it's happened a couple practices. I think we've had 127 or 128 practices, and I'd say maybe two or three this year. 
and usually it's just in question form, fellas. Are we really preparing at the championship level? Do we have the same level of focus and intensity that we had last week? And usually they say, uh, let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. And, and that's it. It's not a group that we have to push and prod. We're very, uh, we're player led. Um, it, it's a, you know, I learned a lot from Brad Stevens. So we run our program very similar to that. Our players have a lot of input in every decision I make. And uh, sometimes I have to make the best decision for everyone. But uh, I, I really take their input and their contributions in, in all all forms um, in, in every decision we make. And we talked about this, Dusty, too, the last time you were on, whether it was with, you know, Mike White, you know, Louisiana Tech, uh, Florida, uh, whether you go back to Murray State, Eastern Michigan, you know, IU, uh, USC, all the places where you have been, you take a little bit. You mentioned Brad Stevens as well. You take a little bit out of all these experiences to put it together for how you handle this right now? Absolutely. And, and what I've learned, you know, Coach White was uh, a first-time head coach that was very transparent with what he was feeling throughout the process. So uh, with our guys, we're very vulnerable. We tell them, uh, you know, our, our anxieties, our concerns, the, the things we're going through. And, and we feel like that really helps our, our relationship that we're not these uh, steel, these, these men of steel coaches that we're people. And we have concerns. We have, you know, we have things that we deal with as well. And, and we can all help each other by picking each other up, being supportive and, and really caring uh, for each other's well-being. So it's just a really great group of people that happen to be uh, you know, very talented basketball players as well. Outside of just Memphis itself, and I want you to, to break them down for us in a second, do you have any concerns about this group whatsoever going into this this postseason game? Memphis, Memphis group? Uh, with your group? I mean, I want to get to Memphis uh, in a minute, but just what, what's your major concern outside of the team you're playing, I guess, Dusty? Just just that we would be content making the tournament. This is the second time in history and, and obviously the, the best season we've ever had here. Just feeling like we've made it by, by getting to the tournament and not putting our best foot forward and playing with the same type of edge that we play. Because we play with a chip on our shoulder all season. So um, if we continue to do that, then, then we'll have a chance against Memphis. But if we go in just happy to be there, then uh, they're so talented. They'll, they'll, they'll run away from you. Here's what I love about what you guys did. I mean, down the stretch here in your Conference USA tournament, you had to give some payback to get to where you wanted to go. That, to me, in a close game and then in a not-so-close game with two teams that were one of the three that got you in the regular season, that had to make you feel really good about your guys. Yeah, they were extremely motivated. Well, Western Kentucky, our first-round opponent, they were picked first or second in most right. preseason publications. So we, I was terribly concerned that they were going to use this new season as uh, I guess a, a new chapter or a new life, and so I was extremely concerned with them. We played well, we got off to a good start, and then Middle Tennessee State—they're um, one of those teams that their style of play, their length, their athleticism, just the the, the chaos they create has always given us problems. We we lost to them twice last year. They kept us from winning the championship last year, and then they beat us one of our three games this season. So we knew that would be a tough matchup. We got off to a, a, a good start. We had a big lead. And then uh, they came back late and made some really, really good plays. And, and we were able to hang on. And then against UAB, we were able to kind of put it together a little bit where our two first-team all-league guys played like first-team all-league guys. And we defended at a high level. And, and UAB had came off of an extremely emotional win the night before against North Texas. So uh, we had a lot we had a lot going on in our favor in addition to – 
feel like we'd already clinched the tournament bid, so we didn't have that extra stress and, and pressure. Now, what do you think about Memphis? What What do you think about the draw in all? And uh, listen, I know that you're a first timer in this, and you know you just want to get there, put your nose down, and go play. But what do you think about the draw in that first round matchup with Memphis? Well, I think they're underseeded. Um, and I know it's a tough job, but man, they're, they're Ken Palm top 20 in the country. They just ran through the AAC tournament, beat Tulane by 40, beat uh, Houston by 20. And so they're playing really good basketball. They're talented. They're old. Uh, DeAndre Williams is, I think, 26 years old. Kendrick uh, Davis is, is probably in, in his mid-20s as well. Those guys have a lot of experience. Uh, they score a lot of points. They affect the game in so many ways. So um, they're, they're a good team. Like I said, I think they were underseeded, but uh, that's all subjective. We need to go play. And, but I do think that they rely on turning teams over, and we have such capable guard play and guard depth that hopefully we can, we can manage the, the possessions better and hang on to the ball and, and uh, you know, find a way to score. So did you call Chris Reynolds and yell at him? <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, I saw Chris uh, on a, a soundbite, and he was talking about how we needed to uh, seek out more quad one and quad oppor- quad two opportunities. And and coming from another uh, from an athletic director at a really good mid major in Bradley, um, I would assume he would know that it's a little more difficult than simply seeking out uh, those opponents. So did he direct? Uh, did he know, direct that at you guys? I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. The CBS guy uh, had. Uh, uh, had asked him about FAU, and, and he just said, you know, only nine of our games were quad one or quad two opponents, and we need to do a better job of seeking out those uh, opponents if we wanted to have a higher seed. Uh. And, and, and even with our schedule, we had we scheduled Northern Kentucky, who they were picked to win the, the Horizon. Uh, Detroit was supposed to have one of their best years in a long time. Uh, Eastern Michigan signed Imani Bates. And that was supposed to be the, the most talented Eastern Michigan team they've had in a while. So we scheduled these teams as well. South Alabama, who's a perennial South, you know, they made the Sun Belt Conference Championship. So we tried to schedule Bryant University, was picked to win their league and went to the tournament last year. So we picked, we, we scheduled all of these mids thinking that would help our matrix, our, our metrics. And a few of them didn't have great seasons, but we still ended up number 12 in the net, I believe, 11 or 12 in the net. And for us to get a nine seed, um, I guess the, the net, they use the net when they choose to, but um, it didn't make a lot of sense. Why even have that number if you're going to be seated um, essentially in the top 36 when you're, when you're ranked in the top 12? So, uh, but nonetheless, we're, we're very happy to be there. Uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to give it our best shot. Maybe you did yell at Chris Reynolds. You can tell me off there if you did. I'll laugh. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I was spoken with Chris. But no, yeah, you're right. You're, on the committee, you're right about the Bradley thing, though. You're right. I mean, if there's somebody yeah. that certainly should know about how difficult it is. And, and if you wouldn't mind, Dusty May joins us of FAU. I, explain how you go about uh, with your AD making up this particular schedule because you mentioned the the metrics and what you tried to do with it uh, do you second guess yourself at all with this particular team and how you made up the schedule or did you simply just put it in the best form in which you could to give yourself the best competition both uh, you know we we have an x number of dollars we have to raise in scheduling so the, the first thing you do is try to get two high majors to pay you to play a one-time game at their place so we, we were able to get Ole Miss in Florida to play us and, and, and pay us a, a nice chunk of money to play at their place. We went one and two on that one and one in that trip, so we were able to get a split out of our money games. And then after that, it's very strategic of trying to find teams that, that number one will play you. Um, I don't think there was any team in the state of Florida that, that whether it was because the dates didn't work or, or logistically didn't work, that we had an opportunity to play. 
Uh, we tried to play in the Orange Bowl Classic, which is 15 minutes from our campus, and UCF and, and uh, I think it was Florida State are in it, and we weren't able to be a part of it uh, because they had to write a first refusal. So uh, there's a lot of constraints with scheduling, and then after that, our, our conference uh, – uh, opponents are so spread out that we don't want to fly all over the country and just wear our guys down in November when we spend all January, February, March on long flights, tough trips. So right. uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Bradley actually could, uh, ironically, we were scheduling Bradley to play in a neutral site game uh, on the other side of the state in Florida through an event operator. And they threw out a number, whether, you know, I think they said it's $15,000. So both of us are thinking we're going to get $15,000 to play in this event. And it was $15,000 to pay to play in it. And both of us said, well, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that, that, that's just a little snapshot into scheduling at our level. But yeah. as we move up in conferences, as we advance and, and, and uh, generate more revenue for our, for our athletic department, our, our program, I think that it will get a little bit easier as far as the, the financial piece, but it's, it's not going to get easier. We're going to, I know next year we'll just go straight to all the te- all the mids that are in the NCAA tournament this year because we know scheduling will be hard for them. We'll call them and say, "Hey, do you guys want to play?" It's going to be hard for both of us. Let's just let's save both uh, parties several hours of, of making calls and, and just play home and home. So that's where we are right now for next year. Like uh, this, this is me being stupid, and you know that that's pretty in-depth my level of stupidity here but what about like miami and florida state and those are within you know short trips central florida you know teams like that within the state of florida is it tough to get games with them even as close as they are yeah well florida state's not very close it's probably i guess you're right i guess you're right yeah so that's essentially playing anyone in the SEC. You would have to fly. But, um, yeah, Miami, we played them our first couple of years and, and had them on the ropes last year. They beat us on, on a buzzer beater. And Coach Laranega said, we, you know, we're not going to be able to play this game anymore. Uh, no reason. I don't know. It, it, you know, everyone's got to do what's best for them. But, yeah, it's, we South Florida, Central Florida, we weren't able to get any of those guys on the schedule, even though they would be bus trips for us. So, um, luckily, next year, South Florida will be in our, our conference. I think we'll probably play like FIU, who we're leaving. So, we will have a couple bus trips in our league. So, um, it's not as if you just pick opponents. The dates have to work. The finances have to work. Uh, the location has to work. We try to only do direct flights because we only fly commercial. So, um, like I said, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, the, the coach on our staff that does scheduling, he's got to spend a nice chunk of time almost every single day working on it. All the mid-majors that are in this NCAA tournament, do they, for the most part, feel the same way that you do in a lot of ways, Dusty? Unless they they were expected to be bad and they ended up being good. Okay. Yeah, if you look at the teams that advanced, uh, you know, Kennesaw State, the last couple of years, they haven't been very good now uh, with their success, and they'll have a, a good group returning next year. I assume they'll have a lot of issues scheduling games next year. And the same will be with Furman and, and all the other teams that are really good mid-majors because – you know, in the high majors, defense, if they beat them, they're supposed to. If they lose to them, then how could you lose to this school or that school? So it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Did you ever try to get a game with IU? Uh, yes, I've, I've, I've made a few calls and, and, and emails, and they, they're usually pretty far ahead in their scheduling, and uh, we just haven't gotten a lot of traction. I don't know if it's because of dates or uh, I don't know if it's the, the – uh, us not having a national brand or name or whatever the case, but yeah, we've reached out in the past couple of years for whatever reason, just hasn't worked out. You guys and Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, thirty-one and three, 
And I was curious about this. I saw I saw Dustin Hayes and David Hayes last week, by the way, down in GC, and we were kind of talking about this. Were, were, was there any concern of yours? And I know that there's no longer concern because you're in, but was there any concern that if you did not win the Conference USA tournament title that you would not get an at-large bid? Well, we felt like going into the conference, when we finished our last, I think, four or five games, we won our last four or five, and each one of, one of them felt like a championship game because our guys knew that we needed to keep winning for a championship and also for that large. And then once we got in the conference tournament, we felt like we were probably in, but we needed to beat Western Kentucky to sleep well at night. And I think it was after the Western, Western Kentucky game. It was, it's all a blur at this point. But yeah. I got an alert on my phone that ESPN and some other national um, – uh, maybe CBS and ESPN, whatever the case, the, the national outlets uh, had, a, had a text or a tweet that went out that said that we were a lock in this NCAA tournament. So uh, going after we beat Middle Tennessee State, we felt like we were a lock. And going into the UAB game, that was one of our messages to our players. We weren't clinched a bit. We're in. Uh, they're they're going to be the ones that have all the pressure on them. We just have to go figure out a way to beat UAB for 40 minutes. We don't have all the other stuff to worry about. We can play free. We can play loose. And uh, it, it seemed as if our guys didn't play with a lot of stress on them. They just went out and played, uh, you know, their habits or whatever. You know, you bring up a great point. I don't think we've talked about this. The travel within your conference is incredible. The lengths in yeah, which you have to is. go to play games. Yeah, UTEP's far from uh, Boca Raton. Was, <laughs> <you're> not, <laughs> for those of you that didn't have Jeffrey Goodman, geography. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting up my slide rule right now. It seems to be a heavy mileage situation right there. <laughs> it does. Yeah, and people don't realize how far we are from everything. I mean, yeah. we're we're a flight from everywhere. We're basically uh, we're 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 almost in the keys. Yeah, that's incredible, man. It really is. I, I the incredible thing is is you guys where you are, and you don't want that complacency to set in and. What do you expect to get from that that Memphis team coming up on Friday night? Because it's a talented group. As you mentioned, you feel that they were a little bit underseeded here, so they may have a bit of a chip, too. What do you think you're getting into coming up in Columbus on Friday, Dust? Uh, we're getting into a very talented, long, athletic, fast team that plays hard. Uh, defensively, they, they disrupt everything you do. They trap in the backcourt. They trap in the front court. They're going to force you to play basketball and make decisions. And uh, if you get sped up and you're, you're careless for a half a second, they, they take advantage of it. And then they have uh, possibly the, the best point guard in all of college basketball. Kendrick Davis, trans- grad transfer there from SMU. And these American Athletic Conference uh, leading uh, score, assist uh, man, and free throw, uh, free throw attempted in the history of the conference. So um, – possibly the the best college point guard uh, in the land. And then they've got a DeAndre Williams, who actually transferred from Evansville, had the big game against Kentucky a few years ago when, when Walter McCarty was still the coach. He's still at Memphis. He's a first-team all-league player. He's a matchup nightmare at six foot nine, long, athletic. He shoots three, scores, drives it, and plays uh, with a real chip on his shoulder all the time. Great energy, great motor. Yeah, man. It's, it's going to be a hell of a game, too. I'm always reminded of this because back when they were at Memphis State, our good friend Andy Harper's best favorite player used to be Baskerville Holmes, who I don't think any longer is with us, but was a fantastic player back in the 1980s yeah. right there. I'm often reminded of Memphis and then Memphis State because of our good friend Andy Harper back in the GC days right there. 
Yep, yep. The staff is just, they're grateful that uh, there's not a one-on-one matchup between the head coaches. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. I wanted to bring that up, too. Noon ball, I didn't, I didn't get enough out of you last time. When you first started this journey, which has been incredible, Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, going into the NCAA tournament coming up on Friday against Memphis in the 8-9 game in Columbus, joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. But your first stop, was for Henry Bibby at USC. And you talked about noon games. We used to play morning yeah. basketball with Mark Barnheiser at Eastern. These were noon games at USC with Pete Carroll and Steve Sarkeesian and others. We didn't we didn't yeah, get well, enough of that out of you last time. Yeah, Lane Kiffin. I remember Dennis Thurman would play for the former Cowboys safety or our, our secondary. Uh, Lisa Leslie would play with us with some of the sparks. It was a, it was a big deal. The games were great. They were competitive. And, uh, you know, the age range was, was about 25 to 50. So, uh, yeah, just, just a lot of fun to do it at noon. A lot, a lot healthier than eating a big lunch. Does Lane Kiffin have a floater? Does he got a float game going? And, uh, he's a motor. He was a rebounder. And uh, I think he, he was in it just for the exercise. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he's going to be the dude that may hurt somebody accidentally, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he plays like a football coach. <laughs> yes. If, if you're playing for the exercise, then you're probably going to accidentally hurt somebody out there. That's normally how yeah. how that goes. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll may be the only guy I know that fouls more than I do. So if you play with him, you might need a, an injury attorney. Pete, <laughs> no, Pete, Car- Pete Carroll's a pickup hoop foul machine. I have no idea. Uh, he's aggressive. He's tough as nails, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I am so happy for you. Seriously. When I saw you on the Today Show, I thought, man, there we go. That is awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, obviously I've, I've followed you for so many years, and we remain in touch. Uh, we have a lot of laughs. But uh, growing up in uh, eastern, eastern Greene County, you and Salisbury, me in Owensburg, it, um, it is sort of surreal to see you at this point yeah. but man i could not and we could not around here be more happy with what you have accomplished man keep that thing going appreciate it hopefully we'll, we'll be playing the boilers on sunday yeah i talked um a little bit earlier i brought that up I don't, I don't like to get when i have coaches on i don't like to get like ahead right of yeah of game situations but you know obviously he knows already a great deal about you guys and Said obviously some nice things about you. He's he's one of my favorites to talk to. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. just an incredible amount of knowledge. And I just say, hey, basketball, and he'll he'll talk about stuff that people really want to hear, and uh, for you know, better part of ten minutes, and it's always a good conversation. So he was in a small coaching group at, at a Florida clinic this August, and and I don't think I've ever been around him where I didn't take five to ten different things, you know, nuggets from him, and he just has great perspective on our profession on coaching as a whole. And I don't think you can listen to Coach Painter and not learn something if you spend more than 30 seconds with him. No, there's no doubt. Hey, have you heard from anybody IU-wise about what, what you guys have accomplished so far? Yeah, just about everyone. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the, the neatest ones were probably Pat Knight reached out the other day and Ryan Carr with the Pacers has reached yep. out and then Lawrence Frank reached out yesterday. And Lawrence Frank is kind of the one, that, the, the one guy that all of us managers kind of looked up to just because of his – uh, rapid ascension into, into the coaching profession when we were still young. So, yeah, it's been really neat to, to get all the texts from your former players and, and former staffers that you worked with. 
Um, Dan Block actually came, who was the manager staffer with Mid-Indiana. Coach Day used well together. He came down to the conference tournament, and now he'll be in Columbus. So a lot of the managers that, that I worked with, they're going to make it over for the trip. So, what, you know, it's been really neat to connect with so many people because of the attention our players have, uh, have allowed us to, to receive. Hey, you've been in a lot of places, too, and Dusty May joins us. In closing, what do you think the most important piece of you and what you become as a coach? Where did you get that? Uh, my most important quality is that is that what you mean? Yes. Just the, you know, you learn it as a manager. You, you learn to serve. You learn to, to give everything you have. But I think what I learned from Coach Barnheiser, the love of the game, the passion that, that we all had for it, and then just try to give that and never chase the money, never chase the business side of it. Just be the absolute best basketball coach you can be. Uh, serve your players. Try to help them in every way, and it just kind of works out. I've never. I've never looked at myself more than just a basketball coach because that's, that's all I ever wanted to be. So uh, nothing more than that. Just try to treat people right and uh, do everything you can for the players. Let me tell you, too, watching Brooks play, <laughs> it's such a joy, man. It's I know, I know. Knowing what we all know. Hey, very happy for you. We'll stay in touch. Hey, make, make sure that everybody in Salisbury doesn't put stuff on your plate over there. Let them Salisbury hang out with Salisbury. And, you know, no doubt. you obviously keep that tunnel vision on that game. The best of luck against Memphis, and uh, certainly we will keep in touch with you regardless. Tell everybody if I don't get a chance to say hello in the family, I said hello to. We're really happy for you, Dusty. Congratulations. Thanks, John. Talk soon. It's uh, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Ryan Carr obviously is um, the uh, scouting head of the Pacers. Uh, long time been in that position and is an absolute great guy. Great guy. Talk with him often. He listens to the show, uh, takes my advice on players and throws it in the garbage, which he should. Just a great guy. But one of the better stories, which was on the Today Show, I think it was this morning or yesterday morning, is that of Florida Atlantic. And if they get past Memphis in round one, which is going to be a tall task, then obviously the Boilermakers more than likely will, if it doesn't, that's going to be a mess, but more than likely will await in that second round matchup over in Columbus, Ohio. So if you get the opportunity, check them out. And certainly, even if you're a Boilermaker fan, maybe get a little bit of rooting interest in for them coming up on Friday in that first rounder against Memphis because Dusty May is one of the better dudes that you would ever meet right there. Quick break, and we shall return. Big news regarding the Colts. We have a trade, don't we? Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys. So the Colts get $9.9 million in the coveted cap space. I believe now they're going to have three fifth-rounders. This is, again, according to Ian Rappaport and Tom Palisaro. So that is a move by the Colts today. Stephon Gilmore gone after one season. Traded to the Cowboys. Uh, this past year, 16 starts, couple of picks. And as you mentioned, did make a couple of noted defensive plays in wins. A couple of the four wins of the Colts this past season. So, yeah, if cornerback wasn't already on the list, add it to it. 
right now. Quick break and we shall return. We'll talk about that and a lot more. Matt Painter, Dusty May, Greg Rakestraw Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Back with you next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. and 107.5. The Fan. Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys for a fifth-round pick and will add to the vaunted cap space to the Colts. 9.9 mil. That has just been reported. Get your thoughts on that. Mine would be that there is an understanding that the value of a 30-something quarterback is maybe not as high as you would like for a team that's not going to be very good next year. And giving that cornerback an opportunity to trade him someplace to where more than likely they're going to be good next year. Ben in Greenwood writes this, which corner grades out to the fourth pick? Or is Ballard trotting Levis out there week eight after Tannehill stinks up October and November? Um... Yeah, Levis at number four is where, again, sitting here right now, knowing what I know and believing what I believe is what's going to happen. I mean, what this does is just fifth rounder and 9.9 mil. Hey, JMV, what's the deal with Matt Ryan? Are the Colts keeping him? What is the latest? I don't think they have to be rid of him until Friday. So I think I said this morning or this afternoon or sometime with Tony Katz that you know by Saturday there should be no more Matt Ryan. But Stefan Gilmore off to Dallas. And I'm assuming, again, as a 30-something cornerback, probably thrilled to be off to Dallas. So there it is. Yeah, JMV, there's no addition here. It's a free agent or free agent signing wise, but a roster dump. And Stefan Gilmore. Hey, JMV, I really, by the way, enjoyed the interview with Dusty May. Had no idea all that went in on the head coach's plate to try to figure out a schedule like that. Indeed, it does. Mark Tinsley Jr. says everyone around here has an arousal with Matt Ryan still being on the roster. Well, he won't. JR says, I missed your interview with Matt Painter because I was watching Roadhouse on Netflix. Hopefully that's an excused absence and I can catch it on the podcast. You absolutely can. 
catch it on the podcast. It was very good. Rex Hampton chimes in. Colts may not win much next year, but at least we will have the most cap room and the most fifth-round picks. Ballard is playing chess. <laughs> yeah, that um, that will bring about a laugh, just like making the biggest free agent deal in the history of free agency for a kicker four years and what, 24-something million dollars. Joel Bragg writes this, is this a look-ahead deal for next offseason? A couple of big contracts coming up? Oh, it's all that. Not, listen, it's all that. And it's also this season, and this is part of it in which you're not going to like. Some teardown. But that is indeed coming. And this is to tell you what to expect. I can't say that it surprises me a bit. I'm assuming a lot of you are not surprised either. Uh, JMV, what about Adam Thielen, who was just cut a couple of days ago by Minnesota? Listen, I've said this all along. Thielen, anybody that can help a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback along the way, I'd be all for. And I'm sure it probably doesn't make sense to anybody with the Colts, but it just makes sense to me to try to give a guy you're trying to work in a number of weapons or as many weapons as you can. Chase Wilson says the Colts are making a move for Lamar. The only way that salary dump makes sense. It takes a little bit from your team, though, somebody that's already on it, even though it's defensively. I would fall on the floor if they made a move for Lamar Jackson. To me, and I said this yesterday, I, I would be less surprised had they paid as much as Carolina did to get up to get number one overall. This, to me, doesn't make a great deal of sense. This, to me, doesn't make a great deal of sense because you put something out there, and then what happens if, you know, Baltimore ends up matching? Sorry, JMV, I'm just turning on the radio. I'm thoughts on Gilmore for only a fifth rounder. Is that all you think we could have gotten for him besides salary cap space? 9.9 in that. And a fifth rounder. What is, uh, look up Gilmore's age. Is he 32 going to be 33? Look that up, James. I said 30-something. Let me be more accurate than that. I thought 32 going to be 33 for Stefan Gilmore. What are you over there on dial-up? Apparently, he is 32 years old. Okay. That's probably... Close to the going rate. Well, you're not going to get any first or second or even third rounders out of that. That's probably the going rate. Yeah, I don't know about making and setting up for a move for the Mar. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I would fall out of the chair. Uh, you're just you're getting rid of a dude, trying to save some money and getting rid of a dude. You need a 32 year old cornerback for a team that is probably going to end up struggling this year. 
does a 32-year-old quarterback, or cornerback, I should say, want to play for a team that's going to have a new quarterback, rookie quarterback, that is not predicted to be very good? Do you want to go someplace to where you can win? I mean, things, you get 32, 33 years of age as a corner, even as good as he has been in the past, it would seem like that it would be getting a little tight as far as time that you have. You're just not going to get that much. I don't know what they would be asking for Ryan Kelly, the center, but I'm betting it's not going to be anything that will knock your socks off. If indeed that rumor is true, and I think we can all agree that it probably is true. That's probably the going rate for a guy like Stefan Gilmore. Quick one will come back for a final time. Track tide, the track side, I should say, is at 7 o'clock later on tonight. Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Matt Painter, the head coach of Purdue. And Greg Rakestraw, all on the show today. The podcast, 107.5 The Fan. In case you missed it, Matt Gay, four years, $22.5 million. I'd have to look that up again. It's not in front of me. I believe that's what that is. Uh, he gets the highest free agent kicker contract ever signed by a free agent kicker matt gay that was late last night we tried to explain that out so that went on last night talked about that today 22 and a half million dollars in four years and then stefan gilmore reportedly traded to dallas for a fifth rounder and the Colts will save $9.9 million in the highly loved, embraced cap space. Talk about that coming up on the other side and more at 239-1070. You guys want to jump on, get on here before the end of the show. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. This is going to be a real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Coming up in the month of August, Yacht Rock Review is going to be at the... TCU Amphitheater, downtown in Indy. I think you need to be a part of that. I don't know if this song is a part of their catalog of covers in Yacht Rock, but it should be. The late Benny Mardonis here. And a very odd lyric. Very uncomfortable lyric right there from Benny. <laughs> Number nine at 239-1070. Yacht Rock Review is, again, coming to Indy. That is a great show and a great outdoor experience for you. 
And they are a fun as hell band to watch. I'm assuming they do this, though. I'm assuming that they do Betty Mardonis at the end of the night. So the Colts are sending the five-time Pro Bowler, that's Stephon Gilmore, to the Cowboys for a 2023 fifth-round compensatory pick. And in the process, we'll save $9.9 million. So, yes, that's what they got out of Stephon Gilmore. Out of Stephon Gilmore, they got a fifth-rounder. And some cap space. And you think about, all right, is this going to be it? This is how they view the season? Saw this a little bit earlier, too. For those of you that are asking, I don't know who this dude is from the NFL Network, but the Colts are planning to cut quarterback Matt Ryan. <laughs> okay. Really? Really? So, yeah, this is Zach Klein. Per league source, the Colts are planning to cut Matt Ryan. Well, I mean, I don't have to be a league source to say that. I should have. Why didn't I tweet that? According to a league source, there's no doubt. This is going to happen before the end of the week. Everybody around here kind of thought that there was a chance, but there was not a chance. Not going to be a chance. Uh, JMV, so we're going to hear what Aaron Rodgers is doing tomorrow. I hope so. I'm waiting. I'm very excited about hearing what Aaron Rodgers' future holds with the Jets. Uh, That should be good. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys. So he's going to get a chance to win something. And the Colts are going to save some money per usual and probably not be very good this year, which is I think we are all under the assumption that was going to be the case anyway. So, again, we refocus on what they're going to draft the quarterback and why. And um, Carolina, Houston, to me, the only thing that you would have to protect, and again, I'm assuming that by now they probably know a lot. You know, you get this intel about where teams are going. Until further notice, I'm just going to feel satisfied in knowing that they know who they're going to get and who they're going to want to get is going to be available, and there you go. So I don't think there's some big grand mystery about it. Is David the winner? David, you want to go see Yacht Rock Review? David, are you there? You want to go see Yacht Rock Review? Yes. Have you ever seen them before? No, I haven't. All right. Good, fun band to be a part of right there. Do you like Yacht Rock? Yes, sir. What's your favorite Yacht Rock band, group, artist? I don't know, sir. I can't remember right offhand. Yeah. What about, let's say Michael McDonald. Say Kenny Loggins. I love Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good guy. David, I'm going to put you back on hold. Thanks, David. I don't think David knows about Yacht Rock. I'm just guessing right there. Dave, I'll tell you what, hang with me. Hang with me for the future, and I will help lead you down the path of knowing about Yacht Rock. I promise. 
I don't know if David is is completely up to par with the understandings of Yacht Rock. <laughs> yeah, this is Mike Chappell responding to the, according to the league source, the Colts are planning to cut quarterback Matt Ryan. According, listen, you're a good source here because you guys know. Of course they are. See, I should have had, you guys should have tweeted that out. According to my source, they're planning on cutting Matt Ryan. Mike Chappell did chime in on this. That would free up $17.2 million as the team transitions to a rookie quarterback. So you get 9.9 in cap space with Stephon Gilmore getting bounced in a trade to Dallas and a fifth rounder. And then when Matt Ryan is cut loose, $17.2 million. Some cap space for you right there. Yeah, I know. This is not anything that really energizes anybody out there, and you kind of knew that that was going to be the case. What they say in the double deuce when they were trying to build that back up and Dalton came in? He said it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. There you go. Now, I don't know how much worse it could get than last year, but again, a great quote from Dalton. Greg Rakestraw, Matt Painter, Dusty May, Podcast 1075thefan.com. we got to teach Dave about Yacht Rock. James has got dial-up over there. Trackside's got your racing news at 7. I'm back with you tomorrow at 3. We're going to be out and about Thursday and Friday. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Lounge YouTube Live, thank you. Have a great night. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.